Good morning. Thanks again for taking time to be able to be here with me today. And again, just a special thank you to everybody who came out to serve uh, at our church uh, yesterday and be able to take time to be able to clean this place up. By the way, if you were wondering, uh, the number is four. It takes four paintbrushes to clog a preschool drain. Did you know that, Martha? Yeah, there were four of them down in there. Yeah. And a whole bunch of glue or something. It was super weird. But we got a lot of things fixed up and a lot of things cleaned up. Thanks again. Uh, Just as you take care of uh, your household, let's take care of God's household. And same thing, just as we take care of uh, our life in so many different ways, let's make sure we're taking care of our faith life. And that's a big piece of why we're gathering here today. Chapter 5 is the story of God giving his people new commands and a new covenant. So just for a little bit of a refresh, where we were last week opened up with the story of Exodus. Moses is chosen to be able to go before Pharaoh and to be able to be God's mouthpiece in asking for his people to be released. You know the story. He goes before Pharaoh over and over and over again, and Pharaoh doesn't want to let the people go. And so God shows up with these miraculous plagues that are put down upon all all of the people, and over and over and over again, Pharaoh continues to say no until that final and tenth plague, where the firstborn of everyone who doesn't put that blood of the pure lamb upon their doorposts have that child put to death. Pharaoh finally concedes, lets the people go, and it seems like everything is going well. Even the Egyptian people are coming out and they're giving gold and silver and things worth a lot of value to the people of Israel just to get them out of there, just to have them leave. But at one point, Pharaoh's hard heart comes back and reminds him that they no longer have anyone to be able to do all of the slave labor, to be able to do all of the work. So he says, let's go get those people again gets all the chariots together, gets all the horses together, and they set out to be able to grab the Israelite people. They're trapped right there at the Red Sea. It looks like there's nowhere for them to be able to go. The people are screaming. They're crying out. God tells Moses to be able to raise his staff. He does so, and the river, the sea parts. The people walk across on dry land. The enemies try to follow, Uh, God has them swallowed up, and the people seem to be, again, in this wonderful place. Their enemy is gone. They're free. They're under the Lord's power. They have been delivered. It fulfilled that title of chapter 4. But as I went through that this week, leading up to today, as we begin chapter 5 together, I looked at the last sentence of chapter 4, and it's, it's super sad. Seven short words that the people of Israel say, and it's probably something that maybe some of us have said in here before too. They ask, is the Lord among us or not? Think of all the things that the people of Israel have seen, that God has delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians He goes on to give them water when they need water, food when they need food, to be able to take care of them out in the middle of the desert. But they still ask that question, is the Lord among us or not? Maybe you've asked that question before too. Maybe it was a time when things weren't going so well. 
Maybe you didn't have direction in your life as a young man or young woman. Maybe there was a fracture in your family, in a relationship with your son or daughter, with your spouse. Maybe there was a death that occurred. Maybe it was a disease that took over, cancer that appeared, some type of horrible disease that had no cure. And maybe you too asked that question. Is the Lord among us or not? You know, today, even though the people question God and they're not so sure if he is around them, he doesn't leave them. He doesn't forsake them. In fact, he says, I am going to show up so you can see me. I'm going to come down in a glorious way, and God does just that. God tells Moses to have all the people gather around Mount Sinai, and God comes down. There's this loud blast of the ram's horn, loud trembling. Uh, There's this pillar of uh, smoke and of fire, and God, again, in this glorious way, shows up for his people. And when he does, this is where we get this title of a new command and a new covenant. He says, I'm going to give something to you today. I'm going to give you these Ten Commandments, rules for you to be able to follow, to have a a better life. And these are commandments not just for people of this time, but it's for people of our time today, too, to be able to know, to be able to follow. You heard our children sing about those today. There aren't rules to be able to hurt you or harm you or to be able to give you a life which you think isn't as joyous they are directions and a path that are provided from God himself, all out of his love. The people receive these commands, and they're actually excited about it, that God has, has shown up for them, and they say that they're going to follow him. In Exodus chapter 24, verse 3, listen to the words of the people. Moses came down and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They're going to do it. Look at them. They're all in. All of the people are saying this. We're going to do these things. Have you ever been like that before? That you you hear the word of the Lord or you're you're inspired by something, maybe in a a devotion or a sermon, and you say, I'm going to do that. Today is the day I'm going to change. This is where the people of Israel are at. But is that what they do? God shows up with these commands, and they seem okay with that. Would you be okay with that? I can't believe it. It's uh, 14 years ago next month that I moved out here from California. And uh, when we came out here, my daughter, who has just had her 14th birthday, uh, was only six weeks old. She was a little tiny, little tiny baby. Uh, Our apartment wasn't ready yet, and so we had this super nice family that let us uh, stay with them for a while. So myself and my wife and our little six-week-old moved into this house, and I tried to be very respectful of their home and of their family because this was their house that I was moving into to be able to be a part of their family. Uh, I didn't show up on day one and then give them uh, some type of uh, meal program that I would like to be on and say, hey, here's my favorite things. You can cook these for me. That would be great. I didn't throw my laundry outside the door and just expect that it would be washed for me and cleaned and they would show back up at my door. I didn't post a uh, diaper changing schedule for my daughter 
on their pantry door, but in hindsight, that might have been a good idea. I didn't create new rules that I wanted to have moving into their house. That was their house. That was their place. But today, God does something different. The Israelites are out there. They've made their home in the wilderness, and he shows up, and he's got all these rules. He's got the Ten Commandments. He's got something he's called the the Book of the Covenant. He's got all these different rules he wants the people to be able to follow, and he's moving into their house. Interesting way to be able to move in. But is that really what's happening? Is there confusion here about God moving into our lives? Often we think that God is coming into our house, that God is coming into our place, when in reality, we are the ones that are living in his world. We are the ones that have the privilege of being able to be in God's household. God showed up on day one when we were not yet there. God can create any rules that he wants to, any commands that he wants to. And so when people of today look back and say, those were rules of the Old Testament, those were rules that are uh, not modern enough for us today, it's not the, the truth. Those rules are still made for us today. And remember, they're God's rules. Sometimes as a pastor, people want to know what I think or what Pastor Mark thinks on a certain hot button issue or hot topic. Guess what? It doesn't matter what we think. What matters is what God says. And it's true today for the people of Israel, too, that they need to be able to follow this wonderful commandment. And so the people actually say that they're going to stick with this. This isn't a repeat of that last verse, uh, 24 verse 3. This is 24 verse 7, the same thing. Uh, Then he took the book of the covenant and he read it. This is Moses in the hearing of all the people. And they said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. They've heard these wonderful things that God wants to give to them. They've seen how impressive he is and they say, we're going to do that. Sometimes I'll hear people say that, God, if you would just do this for me, then I'll do anything. I'll dedicate my life to you. I'll give some more money to my church. I'll give some more time to my community. And then often God will follow through on certain things. And all of a sudden we forget about our promises. The people of Israel have a bad habit of doing that too, of being able to forget about certain things. But let's give them a chance this morning. God calls Moses and he says, I'm glad all the people are going to listen. Come up to the mountain. I want to give you this set of commandments for the people to have physically before them. Chisel out these tablets. I and myself, I'm going to inscribe upon them these 10 commandments for you and the people to be able to have. Moses goes off. He's gone for a day, two days, three days, a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month. He's gone for 40 days. And the people decide this isn't good. They don't know what's going on. They're not being patient. And so they want to create their own solution. And so they come and they go to Aaron, who is second in charge in Moses' absence, and they plead to him. They say, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for Moses, who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. They're right there at the mount. They've seen what God can do. Just a moment ago, remember, oh yeah, Lord, we're going to do all of these things. We're going to follow through on on everything that you said. 
and then after some time has gone by and that sin creeps back in, you know what, let's make some, some gods. And this may sound silly that they decide to make this, this golden calf to be able to fulfill the place of God, but I bet you've done it too. Maybe not with an animal that was fashioned out of gold, but maybe out of something else. What things do you put in place or before God? Is it your job? Is it your, your family? Is it your finances? Is it your house? All of us have done it. And none of those things are bad on their own at all. All of those things are fine. But when we put those things before and above our Lord, we're breaking those commandments. We are not doing as the, the Lord has called us to be able to do. And so the people do that. They fashion this gold calf. And I challenge you this morning, what are those things that we have fashioned? And how are we going to change that behavior? Because it's really silly behavior. Uh, the author of Psalms puts it in such a, a perfect way of how uh, stupid this really is when we do these things. He says that they exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. That's what they traded. Think about those things. If somebody said, I have two things to be able to offer you today, the glory of God, the creator of the universe, or this cool gold ox that eats grass, which would you choose? And it seems so clear, but we often choose the other element. We exchange who God is for things that we can have right now that will give us pleasure for one minute, hoping that will make us happy. And then we forget. We forget about the promises that we have from God. We forget about all that he has done for us. The people forget, and God tells Moses, he says, they have, they have forgotten. You haven't seen it yet, but they've fashioned a golden calf, and I need you to go down to your people and to be able to confront them. Moses tries to uh, talk to God about having leniency upon the people. Moses goes down the hill. He himself is angered. He is furious, and in that fit of rage, he throws down those tablets, and they break there right before all of the people. Moses then tries to figure out how this happened. He was gone for 40 days. He knows that, but he left Aaron in charge, and he, said, he goes to Aaron and asks him, you know, what happened? How, how did this happen? And here is his reply. So I said to them, Aaron saying this to the people, let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. <laughs> Did you ever catch your children doing something in the other room? They weren't doing something right, and something, it doesn't matter if something was broken, something was drawn on, something happened, and they asked, you know, how did this happen? I, I don't know, it just happened. Think about Aaron's logic here. This is the worst excuse of all of Scripture. I just threw the gold in the fire and outshot this golden calf. Like it's the best easy-bake oven you've ever had in your life. <laughs> he has this huge excuse that he gives to Moses because he doesn't want to take responsibility for his sin that he's a part of. Do you ever create excuses for yourself when you don't want to take responsibility 
for your sin? I do. Even uh, just a moment ago when I was talking about being able to make sure we are not putting false gods in our life over and above our real God, maybe some of us thought about some things in our life, but I bet by the time we are out of here today, you'll already start trying to explain away why it's okay, why it's justified to have that thing above God. It's so easy to make excuses for our sin when we should actually be serving our Savior. Because we do it all the time, but we need to figure out how to take that behavior and get rid of it. And a big piece about that is staying in the Word, about being consistent with our Lord, about asking His Spirit to be able to guide us and direct us, and not trying just to do it on our own. The best news, though, in all this is the people, Aaron, Moses himself, and us, continue to fail over and over and over again. God still comes back to them with his promise. Remember, it wasn't just new commands that he's giving to people. It's a new covenant we read about in this chapter, too. Behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. How cool is that verse? That God just says, it's an, it's an awesome thing that I'm going to go do through you sinful people. Because that's how much I love each and every one of you. And he tells the people that out in the middle of the desert that day. And in this desert today, he tells all of us the same thing. It's awesome, the things that I'm going to do through you. Not because of what you have done or the powers that you have, but because of what God has done and what he can do. And maybe some of the people still asked, and maybe we ask too, is the Lord among us or not? And we see that at the very end of this chapter that he always is. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and it was in the, by fire by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all of their journeys. Even though these people have sinned, God stays with them by day, God stays with them by night, and he's ahead of them for all of their journeys, leading them to where they should go. It's the same for you and I today that God is here with us in this life by day, by night, in the good times, in the bad times, always leading us upon every journey. And he wanted us to know that so much, as we heard in our gospel lesson that Dottie read for us today, that he does so not only by his words, but by his physical word through Christ, that he sends his son to be able to dwell here among us. When he came to the people of Israel, he could have been outside of their camp. He could have remained upon Mount Sinai, but he comes to be able to be in that tabernacle and to be able to live with them and to be with them. And he comes for us today in our house of worship, in the house that you live, and in the house of your heart to be able to dwell with you, to be able to be with you. And remember today, to be able to do awesome things through you. We remember all those things today as we push aside the excuses of our sin 
and we ask the Lord to continue to shower upon the service of our Savior. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for being able to dwell here with us today. In fact, Lord, we come to you now and uh, just ask that you'll be upon us as we have this wonderful opportunity to be able to participate in communion today, a time in which you tell us that your son is truly present in body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we remember the Passover at this time that you promised all of your people that as you saw that blood upon the doorframe that you would pass over and give them life. And Lord, do the same for us today. As you look upon us, uh, allow us to be able to be known to you as the ones who will be passed over from death and receive life eternal because of what your son has done for each and every one of us. All these things we bring and lift at your feet today in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.